Hello and welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central podcast. I am Johnny Bentley, your host, and James is here again. Hello, everyone. For, for, but James is surprised when I call of him <laughs> for a few seconds. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we, we sort of hinted last week we'd bring Mikel Arteta into discussion and it's the perfect opportunity to do so. We will also, as James suggested to me before we went on air, look at the likely favourites for the Champions League and the Europa League, two tournaments really that are really prominent at the moment, given that they are played in every single midweek, missing international uh, the international break. They've been in, involved in every single week, so we've had them very much at the forefront of our minds. So it be a nice little discussion point as the group stages come to an end. And we will talk about the top five, what I've called sort of attacking midfielders, but also number eight, because they can play as eight. Again, a bit of an objective position, but we will look at that with regards to the Premier League as we move up the pitch. And um, we will also look at the European results, which kind of coalesces with probably our discussion on, on Champions League and Europa League potential winners uh, at this early stage. So we'll start with Arsenal and Mikel Arteta. So it is. It's a, it, it's a funny old story game because it's football because at the start of the season, Mikel Arteta was regarded as the brightest prospect uh, of three novice managers at higher levels with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer really in his first major job, Frank Lampard in his first major job. And, well, I say major at a big club for the, both of those two. And Arteta, his first managerial job was at a big club. And by yourself and myself and many other fans, we actually had a discussion, James. Uh, Couple yeah. of months ago, and we both agreed that, and you know, you're a Chelsea fan. I'm, a, I'm I try and remain unbiased. Well, I can because I'm a Burnley fan, and you try and remain unbiased. And we both said Mikel Arteta, best of the three. The fans agree generally. The fan consensus on social media, Mikel Arteta, best of the three. So, what's gone wrong since that discussion? Have we given him the kiss of death? Uh, <laughs> it's very difficult to distinguish the coach from the results. Uh, I think, I think the style of football that Mikel Arteta wants to play is is very. I think it's. I think it's similar to Pep Guardiola. I think mm. it's obviously there's, he's got his own innovations and his own ideas and you know his own methods as well. But it's largely based around that keeping possession, controlling possession, controlling the ball. You know, passing and moving around. And creating chances and scoring. Mm. Um, the problem that he has is that his team aren't scoring. <laughs> right? They're having a lot of possession. They're even having quite a few chances. You know, I mean, but not not all of them are shots on target, and the ones that are on target aren't going in. Mm. Uh, and Pierre Emeka Bamarang, Bamiang looks a boomerang. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's he's not scored since the opening day of the season. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know what I don't know what happened to him. I don't I don't know how that's happened. Uh, mm. People are calling Arteta style defensive. I don't think it's defensive. I think it's just organised, and he's had to build from the back because Arsenal's defence was shambolic last year, yeah. uh, and he had to fix that first, which is a sensible thing to do when you're building Absolutely. a team. Well, it's quite interesting, uh, isn't it? Gabriel, how who's a good player and yeah. has improved their defence, I think. Um, the defence isn't bad, I don't think. It's 
uh, there's a lot of their teams who are not of the level that I expect. I think he needs to play the football that he wants. Mm. Well, for starters, the yeah. For starters, I think the reason why he's had to adopt or had adopted this sort of continues to adopt this three at the back that morphs into a four at the back, a three four three four slash four three 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 four three when defending, which is basically a five uh, at the back as well if they want to drop deep, and then going forward it transitions into a four three three, so it's a bit more flexible, and that did really well I think, but uh, when he you know, towards in this in the restart last season and sort of at the start of this season because he did that innovative take on the back three, which, as I say, transitioned into a fit four three three because he had limitations all over the squad. And although he was able to address some of those in the summer a little bit, he got Gabrielle in, who I think's been very very good and one of Arsenal's brightest players this season. But he didn't get the creative player that he wanted. Um, and I know you say they've created some chances, and they have, and there has been a lack of efficiency in taking those chances, and there has. But I think there is a lack of someone who you can say, you know, in the same vein as you know, Everton, Hammer, you give the ball to Hammers, Rodriguez, Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, you know, Ilkay Gundogan, you can go on, Manchester United, Paul Pogba, Van der Beek, Bruno Fernandes. There's a lack of a creative midfielder, and that's quite obvious. They were after. Usam Awar from from uh, Leon, from Leon, and obviously he's a very exciting player, done phenomenally well in league and they weren't able to get that deal done. So Arteta's had to keep with this system as a result of that. And I think you're right. I think it's a mix of both because you can't simply say that Arsenal haven't got the creativity all the time because they've won in big games playing this way without that creative player, I think. Um, and, the, and the system has done its job. I actually think the system's more suited to when teams want to attack Arsenal and then they can sit back and hit them on the counter with the pace of, as you say, Aubameyang, Bukayo Saka, uh, Willian, who's been hit and miss this season. But it's difficult because, you know, I don't think he has the players. And I know there's a lot of clamber on social media to bring Mesut Ozil back. And for reasons which I won't go into on here, but I've discussed with you off air, and we both know what I think about the Ozil omission. Mesut Ozil won't be coming back in. It yeah, and I'm sure people who have looked into the whole topic in depth will probably have an idea what we're talking about. And I, I personally think there's a bit of validity about those that discussion. But long story short is Ozil won't be probably playing for Arsenal uh, again. So... He's, so, and I don't think that's the manager's fault. Before, you know, a, a lot of criticism for Arteta, I think that's out of his hands. So, I think the system is kind of wearing thin because it felt like a short-term measure while he, until he got recruits and he hasn't been able to get all the recruits he wants. And now, the system started to show a bit of, a bit of vulnerability because... You know, if, if they aren't, as you say, James, if they aren't clinical with the chances they get, if there is a bit of rustiness at the back, then then it, it starts to sort of rip away the paper that's been put over the cracks. And now Arteta's gone from someone who was a genius with his innovative tactics to someone who, you know, needs another tactical rethink, it seems, because it, it's just not looking good for them at the moment, is it? Yeah. That's right. Well, the, the reality is that they haven't won for what, 
I can't. I mean, in the Premier League, they haven't won for counter. Old Trafford. It was Old Trafford, wasn't it? Since they, uh, since uh, yeah, that was the last time. Yeah, and and they played really well then. They did. That's it. That's, that, that's the funny thing. They did. They played well that game, and, and but they haven't scored since then. Either. Yeah, alone one. Um, oh, oh no! I think they scored. They scored against uh, Wolves, didn't they? Gabriel with a header, actually. Yeah, and I think their goal of the, the Arsenal goal of the month for was it November or October? I think it's November. It was November, a penalty. Yeah. Because it's the only it's the only goal they scored in the Premier League that month, or something. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, Arteta said today that, well, I don't know what else I can do. Mm. Uh, you know, we need to, we're creating chances. We need to score goals. Well, and I thought today very worrying. That's oh, very sorry. worrying. Uh, I thought today, which is Sunday, which is when we record the podcast, which is when they played Tottenham in the North London derby. It was like a team that they did seem to be. It was like they wanted to answer a few critics because they did push men forward. They did attack. I actually thought, again, I love Kieran Tierney, and I thought second half he put in some amazing crosses to the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette. And Aubameyang really should have done better with one of the headers, I think, uh, that he got in the second half. But even in the first half, they really did attack with purpose. I think they got men forward. Thomas Partey started. I thought he had quite a good game. He made a few mistakes, but he had quite a good game. And then when he came off, it's obviously a big blow because I think he's one of the probably the most underrated midfielders in the division at the moment. And again, one of Arsenal's bright lights uh, in a very, in, in a not too bright, bright season. But they showed, I think, an impetus at times. And I think it's easy to, you know, criticise after the game, but there was life there. If, if anything, they pushed forward looking for a goal a bit naively because, as, you, as we were saying before we went on, Jose Mourinho... Go, enters this game really if, if Arsenal sit back they have to try and find a hole try and find a gap in the defence and we know that Arsenal can sit back and defend really well that's what they've done that's what they did against Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final last season where City were doing really well and by attacking Tottenham it was all you know with with a real impetus it was almost begging to be you know to, to give space in behind the two informed uh, the two informed men and lo and behold the two informed men scored off two counter attacks. However, I suppose the first goal is a wonder goal. Son's first goal and it doesn't help, does it? I suppose when Son puts one in from thirty yards, your whole game plan and your whole confidence just takes a massive hit because you just think, well, we can't do anything about that. Is all is luck just not on our side? That's right. Confidence is so low right now. Uh... It's difficult. It's a difficult uh, thing to get out of. Whoever you are, no matter what manager you are, mm. when you're in a run like that, it's very, very difficult. And uh, there's no letter. You know, I mean, like we're getting into the busy period of uh, over Christmas. You know, where there's going to be two games a week, Premier two Premier League games a week. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, they're winning in the Europa League, um, mm. but the opposition isn't exactly you know of a high level. That they can play their football, in, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, he's got to do something because they, if they don't turn this around, they're going to be they're only seven points off the relegation zone right now. Mm. I mean, yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous and like, unlikely, but you know, I mean, it's happened before. You know, Chelsea. I mean, back in two thousand and fifteen, have won the title the year before, mm. and they were one point off the relegation zone. And in December, like around this time, they were after I think fifteen games, mm. and you know, so it can happen. It can happen to anyone. 
Uh, and the only reason they didn't get relegated, I think, is because they, they changed the manager, uh, to be honest. Do you see, do you honestly, just, just, just to take that in, just to take that small bit at the end, if Jose Mourinho had stayed the, the whole season, you think Chelsea would have gone down in that season? <sighs> Briefly, because it's about that. Like, reality, probably not. They wouldn't. They probably would have managed to stay up. Hmm. But they only finished 10th as it was. So, yeah. Um, but there was something going on behind the scenes at that point. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah, but that's a different story. But yeah, I think with Arsenal, Arsenal yeah, yeah, he's got to change something, he's got to change, he's got to give them confidence, he's got to get a positive, positive feeling around the dressing room, he's got to get yeah. make sure the guys are behind him, he's yeah. got to be players believing in him mm. and in what he's doing. It's and the hard. Is, if players lose confidence in a manager, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get it back. Mm-hmm. And if the players start to lose confidence in Arteta, yeah. well, it's always the manager that ends up paying for that because it's too expensive to sell all the players. Yes. <laughs> I tell you, it's very hard though, isn't it? Because I tell you what, as, as far as first jobs go, this was a mammoth of a task. And I think it's actually got harder since he's taken over for reasons that it's not really down to him. We talked about the Ozil situation, which is very delicate and difficult because he's he's almost, I think, acting like a PR man in these situations to try and keep everything under control with that. And also with other things like Granit Xhaka, how he managed to bring him in from the cold and reinstate him, bring him, and, and he did a remarkable job with Xhaka when he was basically dead to the club and the supporters in many ways. So he did a remarkable job there. That was a tough one to to manage, and he did well. There's also obviously the fact that. Arsenal, as I say, they got Partey, they got Gabriel, two good signings, but they needed a lot more and they weren't able to get rid of a lot of the dead weight that they still carry at the club. So it's difficult then that he can't just push on straight away in that in that first summer. And I think the problem, I suppose, Arteta does have on his back is that people, doubters, I mean, it's not hard to be a doubter in football. Most A lot of fans are, give it two or three weeks and they want the manager gone if it's not going well. But I think the only thing I'd say that to as maybe to back up any doubters. And I, I am a firm believer that Arteta can and will succeed at the club. But what one thing that might fuel the fire on the doubter side is the fact that he doesn't have a managerial CV. This is his first job. He's, you know, we don't know how he'll react in certain scenarios. We don't know how, if, he could, if he'll pull the club out from the, you know, with, uh, from, the, from the grave that they're currently sat in or whether they'll just plummet even more it's really tough to tell because we haven't the evidence to back it up however i'd like to think that in these crazy uncertain times and given everything that's going on in the background at arsenal football club that the fans the supporters and and everyone at the club is, is is firmly behind him because you know you've got to take a chance on people in this world because if you don't sometimes you'll never achieve greatness that's right, actually, yeah, and I admire them for sticking by him, honestly, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, you keep hearing everyone talk about his coaching ability and his tactical awareness and everything like that. Um, and there's no, I, I think that's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I mean, one, although, I, to be honest, his man management, I'm not sure about, because, I mean, he comes out to, he came out after the game today and kind of launched a public attack on Thomas Party, you know, and, uh, you know, for coming off and not being aware and and things, and I think he was injured, which is why he was wanted mm-hmm. to come off. Um, mm. You know, so I mean, that's not that doesn't help. You know, no. Um, the, the the great man, the great managers aren't just great tacticians; they're also great mm. man managers. You know, you ne- mm. you need to be a good man manager if you're going to succeed. 
Would he not be looking for the Mourinho steeliness there, though? Because that's something Jose Mourinho might have said, perhaps, if if a player was... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't see the same steeliness in Arteta as I do in Mourinho yet. Mm. Yet. I mean, I might do. I mean, we don't know. He's been a manager Mm. for a year. But Mm. uh, at the moment, yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. because A lot of... Yeah. In, in summary, James, a lot of work that he should be given the right to do, or a lot of work. Yeah, that someone I think it'd be a bit reactive to sack him now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, especially when you've invested in him in the summer. To be honest, I think Arsenal's a bit of a circus anyway. And while Arteta might not be perfect, as, we, as, as we've just sort of alluded to, I think he, he he deserves the right to grow on the job. Because I tell you something, that club is not in a good place, and a lot of that is not down to the man who's in yeah, charge. I agree. Not it's. A lot of that's down to the owners, I think, yeah, uh, and yeah. the structure of the club, and Absolutely. you know, the, yeah, the, the the mentality of the club, you know, it's yeah. and that's been there long. That was there long before Arteta took over. Yeah, it was absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, touched... the only thing is, if Brighton win their game mm-hmm. tomorrow, mm-hmm. Uh, we're speaking on Sunday. If they win on Monday, Arsenal dropped to sixteenth. You know, it's not a good place to be. It's a six uh, pointer between Arsenal and Burnley next week, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. Yeah, so, that's a good game because neither yeah. team have won yet, have they? No, we've won. We haven't won yet this season, and Arsenal haven't won for about eight games. So we have. We won. We won against um, Crystal Palace. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, you haven't won. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, but you haven't won for a while. No, you haven't scored yeah. many goals, and Arsenal haven't no. scored many goals. So. No, Nilapies. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take Nilipis. I'll take Nilipis. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, interesting one. Yeah, but you talk about the Europa League with Arsenal as well, and lo and behold, you know, we we move on to that sort of discussion, and they've done really well. It's been almost in that competition. It's been a breath of fresh air for them because they've been allowed. I think they've mixed the players around a little bit, and some of the young players have performed particularly well in that competition. Um, um, Yeah, I suppose sometimes. A competition outside the domestic league can act as a as something to take the weight off the shoulders because there's maybe less expectancy in the Europa League. There's less people watching, particularly in the group stages. And would it be sort of poetic for the struggles of Mikel Arteta in the league to then be sort of uh, posed in, in Europe and then for the Spaniards to then build Arsenal up in a you know he's done well in knockout competitions before. And with the Europa League, is that a possibility, do you think? It's not impossible. But um, we've got to bear in mind that when it comes to the knockout stages, that there's going to be teams dropping out from the Champions League. Of course. And this year, there could be some big teams dropping out from the Champions League, uh, depending on what happens in the the final group games. Yeah. Uh, You could even have Real Madrid. You could have Manchester United. You could have, you know, there's plenty of, I'll be like, maybe. Eagle PSG could be in it, you know. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Tottenham who are in it. Uh, yes. And I know Jose Mourinho will want to win that. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I think. However, that's, that's their best chance of a trophy this year. Well, uh, well, you say that, actually, that's really interesting because I said that at the start of the season. I thought Tottenham might put their eggs in the Europa League basket. However, if they are going for a title push, then maybe not. And you know, there's a big game at Anfield in the week after this one, and if Tottenham manage to win that game, then you can't. You have to really take them seriously, don't you, for for an assault on the title? Oh yeah, absolutely. They're in the title race. Yes, mm. they are. But yeah, they're not the favourites for the title. Um, mm. 
I still think Liverpool were the favourites. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, especially after today. Mm. Uh, but they are in the mix, yeah. Um, there will come a point where Mourinho decides, and I've seen this, he, he's done this at Man United, he did it, did it, done it at Chelsea, he does it at, at clubs, where he either decides, oh, we're going to go full out for the league, mm. or realises we can't win the league, so we'll focus on the Europa League. Europa he did that league, yeah. United. He yeah, knew he could he get in the top four in his first season, so he just threw all his eggs in the Europa League basket, and it paid yeah. off. Mm-hmm. And they got into the Champions League that way. So yeah. uh, there will be a point where he has to make that decision, um, but it won't be for a while. Mm. Uh, and they should be able to navigate the early knockout stages of, of Europa League without their like, first choice 11. But well, they have, yeah. they're going to have to decide between them. They yeah. Are. yeah. Um, I- and it depends. Um, if, they have, if they focus on the Europa League, I think they can win it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it is. It's. I mean, Leicester as well. Leicester would love it. I, they are doing well. They are doing okay domestically. Actually, they won two one this weekend as well. And they've had to cope with a lot of injuries, and they've done really well in Europe. And they've managed to combine the two really well. Maybe similar to Wolves last year. Actually, they they haven't fallen under the trap of of losing league form to focus on Europe. They've managed to keep both quite steady. They'll be going through to the knockout uh, phases, and. You know, I suppose you could see Wolves will be looking at less. Sorry, Leicester will be looking at local rivals, Wolves, and thinking, "Oh, we can do that." They've got Jamie Vardy, James Madison, and other players, Yuri Tielemans, and players to come back. Pereira, of course, uh, Castagne will probably go to the other side. Siunchu as well. Schmeichel's a leader. I mean, they've got a, they've got a quite a nice tidy outfit, and we've said we've said oh, this for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. Uh, and again, the thing with them is their squad depth because to succeed in Europe and to succeed in the Premier League, you have to have a strong squad. Um, you know, uh, unless you're lucky with the draw. Mm. I mean, the Europa League is a bit easier. You know, mm. let's be honest, it is easier mm. uh, than the Champions League, certainly. Yep. So, yeah, again, it depends on Leicester. Like, if they, again, if they chose to focus on the Europa League, they, they, could, they could go quite far. Yes, got a decent first eleven. The problem with them is their depth. And well, they've had a lot of injuries, haven't they? And Didi as well. I didn't mention has been injured for a long time as well. So yeah, he has. Yeah, and yeah, you only you got Madison who's just coming back into the team, and you know starting to look like his old self again, a little bit. Uh, Barnes. Yeah, and of course Vardy's just in just a machine. Mm. <laughs> he seems to keep scoring goals. Very good. It's very good. Um, yeah, so I mean that's it. I mean that's it. If he gets injured, that's a problem for them. I mean, just uh, to touch on the other two, Rangers are doing phenomenally well actually in Europe. Yeah, um, uh, Steven outsider. You know, I wouldn't be a bit against them. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing this season. It is you know, the amount of clean sheets and the amount of wins, the amount of in all competitions, mm. not just in the, in the league. Also, uh, got a good team there. You know, he, and I think they'll probably win the Scottish League. That's probably well, yeah. Probably uh, well. Uh, which of course puts him in a good position to yeah. Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, but um, that, <laughs> uh, but that's not, yeah. But the, yeah, they can, I think yeah, they could they could have a good run at least. AC Milan as well. I think are probably I would say now arguably the favourites of the clubs still in the competition because you've got an inspired Ibrahimovic who hasn't even been playing for the past few games, but it hasn't deterred. Or, or halted Milan's push for the Serie A. They're still winning games. They're still comfortably top of the Italian league. They got a really good blend. 
as we say, of, of, of youth and, and experience. So I would probably be looking at them and thinking, yes, they could be the ones to beat at the moment. I mean, it's quite different, like you say, because the Champions League, you know, there's some of these teams that could easily be the Champions League and some are that, that are currently in the Champions League, like Real Madrid, are on the brink of possibly, well, in, in their case, the first time in their history since the Champions League started, playing in the Europa League knockout stages. But in the Champions League, I mean, it's very, you sort of got the usual suspects. With Bayern Munich, I still think, despite drawing 3-3 this weekend against Leipzig, I think they're still my favourites because not only did they have the best 11 last year, <laughs> I mean, they went and got Leroy Sané, who, who rotates in and out of the team because such is the strength and depth of Bayern's squad. Um, but they are serial winners, aren't they? And I think they found that that sort of feel again, certainly on last season's basis, with the way that they professionally went to the Champions League final and, and dispatched to PSG. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Bayern. You always have to make Bayern among the favourites mm. for Champions League. But really, the squad that they have, mm. uh, you know, is phenomenal. Uh, mm. And a lot of them are young players. Mm. You know, Alfonso Davis and people like, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Lewandowski's in his 30s, but he's still probably the best striker in the world right now. You know, best number nine, you know, I would say. Um, although Erling Haaland's making a good case for that, and Ibrahimovic is as well. And um, Harry Kane. And Harry Kane, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's all those, yeah. So, yeah, you, you can't ever write by and off, especially after what they did last year. They were incredible. Mm. And one of the things I think, I mean, as I say, Hansi Flick deserves tremendous credit because when he took over from Nico Kovac, I know it's a long time ago, they'd just been beat, beaten 5-1 by, I think it was, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt beat, beat by him 5-1. And Thomas Muller had been ex exiled from the team because Kovac wanted to play Coutinho instead and, and move Coutinho into the attacking midfield position. And then Kovac comes in straight away, brings Muller back says he doesn't want to be over, the team to be overly concerned with keep having X amount possession like Kovac wanted. He wanted to dominate with the ball all the time. I think Kovac comes in and says, just tells the players to play and tells the players to do what they feel comfortable doing. And it's almost that simplicity of playing high up, of strangling their opponents, not being too concern overly concerned about intricate tactical play. And it it does look like that. They just play with high intensity. They get the ball forward as quickly as they possibly can. And they just seem to love it. Like you say, there's so many young players there. And also the the blend of the... Ex we talk about experience and youth at, 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 at Milan. I mean, Manuel Neuer, still probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Experience at the back for, for, for Bayern. Alaba at centre-back with Boateng. Experience. Uh, Kimmich feels like he's been around forever experience, Lewandowski Muller experience, but also Kingsley Coman and Douglas Costa coming in on no more experience. We've got Kingsley Coman, Sané, Goretzka, uh, Lucas Hernandez, uh, Pavard. It's a nice blend. It's just, it's just a yeah. winning club. Yeah, they're just a machine, that club. They know how to win. They know how to build winning teams. Their recruitment is always spot on. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I want to play for them, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't, I mean, it's difficult to look, 
I mean, they're one of the favourites. Yeah, I mean, the Catalan giants have fallen. Real Madrid and Barcelona. Madrid, as we yeah, said, might be win, in the Europa they're League. They're not going to win the Champions League, even if they no. get into the knockout stages. They're not. No, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing to say that, really, because yeah. those two teams have kind of dominated the Champions League for the last mm. decade. Mm-hmm. You know, Madrid won it, I think, four times in five, in five years or something. Yeah. Uh, and... And then Barcelona won it, won it three times as well. So they yeah. had a decade of dominance, I think, in, in European football, Barcelona and Real Madrid, and that decade is slowly crum- Well, it's, it's crumbling quite quickly in front of our very eyes. Yeah, it is. I um, think English teams are getting stronger. Yeah, I think Manchester uh, City are a shouting. I know they were last season, but again this season they're still yeah. a shout. Ruben Diaz has strengthened the defence. Uh, Ferran Torres, I think, is quite a shrewd acquisition that maybe hasn't necessarily set the world on fire and uh, maybe not a name to necessarily take City's attack to the next level but he's certainly not one that brings it down either I think he's got a lot of qualities and it will get better and better yeah they're definitely up there Liverpool. yeah I mean, all the, I mean pretty much oh, not all the English teams I think um, obviously Liverpool you could never write them off City uh, City Chelsea are actually looking really good they, you know, they won the group with a game to spare I still they think maybe a bit second, short. They played a second string team against the Villa, the Villa, and won four 0 They won't. They probably won't win it, but they will. They won't just. They won't go out early like they did last time. And then um, you look at it again, and Inter again are on the. It's weird because Inter are either going to. They could. They're fourth now in the group, which is mad that Inter's fourth and Real Madrid's third. Whether they can make the bridge to and it'll, it'll require a few situations to go in their favour they can get into they're either in Europa League or in or in the Champions League it's a Conte's nightmare competition to be fair and then you've got Juventus again who under Andrea Pirlo it's not terrible it's not setting the world on fire again they've drawn a lot of games in Serie A and they still unbeaten in Italy actually they're still unbeaten in, in the Italian League and they, but they did, did need a last minute winner uh, to win the game this weekend. So it's yes. a little bit stop-start for them. But, you know, with Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't think yeah, you can... You never, yeah, that's right. I mean, you can never write a side with Cristiano Ronaldo off in the Champions League, but you wouldn't put them among the favourites. Mm. You know, Bayern Munich, um, Manchester City... PSG, I think. Maybe. Probably PSG. Are the, are the, probably the three most likely... Yeah, I think the thing with PSG is they have a superstar squad and a league that doesn't test them enough. So it works both ways. You can say, well, they go they go into Champions League games a little bit cold because they've not had the the, the tests in, in domestically. But at the same time, they go into the Champions League games fully, almost you know, quite rested. Or if you know, that's the that's the luxury, or if you call it that, that Thomas Tuchel has, he can rest his key men in the in the league usually, knowing that it won't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. And he can put the likes of Neymar and Mbappe and uh, Di Maria and Co on in the games that matter, which for them is the Champions League. Which is why you can never you can never say they don't have a chance. That's right. You can't write off a team with Mbappe and Neymar, mm, of course, <laughs> and Marquinhos no. at centre back. You know, absolutely. Uh, Verratti midfield. You know, it's yeah. They've got a quality. They've got a quality team. No, they do. I mean, it seamlessly, we usually go into the positional analysis, but because we're kind of talking around that, I think it's nice to go into the, the results around around Europe now, actually. And, um, you know, there have been, as I think I think the headline act really in the Bundesliga was first v second, Bayern v Leipzig, and uh, a 3-3 at the Allianz, which was 
you know, a really it was a it was fantastic game. And from Leipzig's point of view, I mean, they'd have probably taken that before kickoff, but they were three two up in that game at the Allianz and would have represented an opportunity to go top of the Bundesliga. Uh, some really good goals as well, and Cuckoo putting them ahead. Uh, Manuel Neuer in no man's land for that one. Uh, the youngster Jamal Musiala one one. Thomas Muller making it two one. Stalwart for Bayern Munich Muller. Justin Kluivert, Patrickson, making it 2-2. Emil Forsberg, putting them ahead. Brilliant ball from Angelino as well. Sometimes I do wonder why Manchester City uh, let him go so easily. I know he's, I think he's only out on loan still, but still think he could do a job sometimes on that left-hand side for Pep Guardiola. But he assisted uh, Forsberg to make it 3-2. And then Thomas Muller again with his second of the game, the 75th minute. Good ball from good, good assist from Coman. Good finish from from Muller. Three three. That's how it stayed. Um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a really uh, interesting one. Just to sort of hark back to the Champions League, Manchester United cannot lose to RB Leipzig. I suppose the fact they've just drilled three three against you know the the behemoth that is Bayern is a bit of an indicator to say well. Uh, I hope that uh, to Manchester United don't play like you did against West Ham for an hour. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, Man United has, um, you could talk about Man United for a long time, but they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're weirdly inconsistent. You can never predict what they're going to do. Mm. But, but yeah, I mean, Leipzig are a good side. And yeah. Well organised, good manager. Mm. Uh, Elite, almost. They, they could beat Man United. They could. It's yeah. not a, that, 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 that 5 0 mm. uh, was kind of an aberration, really. It, was. it wasn't a 5 0 game at all. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, anything could happen, and yeah, I mean, Leipzig doing doing pretty well again. I mean, it's it's remarkable, really. It's all about uh, again. I think uh, Julian Nagelsmann, the manager, is the architect of this because again, losing Timo Werner, I think was I think it was twenty seven league goals last season for for uh, RB Leipzig, and there was more in the Champions League for them as well. And it just you know to keep going, almost keep calm and carry on. They haven't necessarily replaced him like for like. I know they brought in uh, Alexander Solov, who used to play for Crystal Palace, did really well for Trabzonspor. Not a like for like replacement because even though he'd, he'd lit the Turkish league alight, he didn't necessarily do well in England. And there's still, you know, it's a big step up to go from the Turkish league to to the Bundesliga. And he's sort of in and out of in and out of the team. He was on the bench against Bayern. They went with uh, a front three of Nkuku, Forsberg and Kloivert. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. They could cause, certain, certainly could beat Manchester United. What I would say is that the way they play, they're proactive team, they want to go on the front foot. I think Bayern wanting to attack them probably played into their hands in many ways because Bayern do want to antagonise and attack and that gives a lot of space in behind for, for Leipzig to exploit and they did that on, well, three occasions. Uh, so Manchester United, if they're sensible, will probably try and do what they did at Old Trafford, sit deep allow the likes of Apamecano, Canate, Mukiele to push forward. And then, when they get the right moment, play a ball over the top and hope that the likes of Marcus Rashford or Mason Greenwood can can give the give the results that they're looking for. Because, you know, I, I imagine I imagine that's the way they'll go about it, sitting deep and, and trying to hit them on the counter. But again, we'll have to we'll have to analyse that at the time. Tell you what does annoy me though, James. Dortmund, one one with Frankfurt. A uh, good opportunity to close the gap, seen as that the top two drew, but they just can't seem to do it. Maybe it's a mentality thing. I don't know. Well, it can't be because they played before before Bayern played. 
Uh, they actually went uh, one 0 down. Uh, Daichi Kamada for the home side, and then Giovanni Reina, phenomenal young player, is it, uh, who was assisted by another phenomenal young player, Jaden Sancho. So yeah, uh, young talent all oh, around there. Man. Yeah, he he sounds like a good player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not too bad. Um, maybe a hundred million one day. Who knows? Who knows? Certainly, yes, they tried in the summer. Um, talked about PSG. Uh, played an informal Pele eighteen, but simply too good. Moise Keane with another goal. Actually, it's quite it's quite a strange transfer. That I suppose that goes on the list of strangest transfers of the summer. Uh, well, it does, doesn't it? I mean, who saw that one coming? But he gives them, I suppose. Pacing behind, and when you're playing in a team like PSG, you've got pacing behind, and the defenders aren't quite as good in league. End, you're going to score a few goals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't expect anything other than PSG to win the French league. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a shame it's, there's not so much yeah. competition in that mm. league. But you know, when you've got a, when you've got a team with the quality that they have, it's in that league. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, absolutely. No, they are. They are. They are a very good team. I mean, it was uh, interbounds back as well. I mean, they won three two against Mönchengladbach, which was a do or die game for them. And then they also uh, won three one against Bologna in in Serie A. And Akraf Hakimi, who had been dropped for the game against uh, Mönchengladbach, responded in the perfect way by getting two goals. So you know, I mean, that's uh, that's how you respond. It's funny actually because you know Hakimi came to Inter Milan. Uh, and many touted him as to be a, amazing in Antonio Conte's wing back system because, you know, as you know, James at Chelsea, the wing backs are are the attacking outlets for oh, yeah. Conte teams, and Hakimi was for Dortmund. You know, in many people's eyes, one of the best right backs slash right wing backs in the world at uh, it, while he was at Dortmund, and he's still a uh, and you know some raised eyebrows when Real Madrid decided to let him go at, uh, at at the cheap price of 38 million but I think there's some buyback clauses there somewhere anyway it's not quite worked out for him maybe as, as much as it could maybe that's because Inter haven't themselves been themselves as imperious as maybe some thought but responding in the right way with two goals and we were talking about this before there was a, there's been a lot of an, animosity w- towards Conte uh, whilst he's been at, at Inter and as a Chelsea fan I suppose you can sympathise with that a little bit because when it's not going too well the football isn't great when it's not going too well with Antonio Conte it's yeah he is he's a nightmare but they are second James he can get he can get he can become a nightmare with the media and then and the football come yeah it's, it can start to get dire I mean Oh yeah, uh, second season at Chelsea. Uh, you know, lost four one to Watford. Bakayoko uh, mm. played so badly that Chelsea looked better when he got sent off. <laughs> uh, and then there was the Manchester City game where basically it was it was the worst one 0 defeat I've ever seen. It was like Man City just had about eighty percent possession, mm. created, created tons of chances. They only scored one of them, but. The football was absolutely dire, and yeah, if it goes wrong with Antonio Conte, you you start to turn against him because the football just becomes really dire. Uh, Antonio, Antonio Conte's football at his best is great to watch mm-hmm. um, because he scores a lot of goals on the counter attack, and mm-hmm. the wing backs get forward, and you know you have a big striker, especially Lukaku, who is perfect for that system. I mean, Lukaku's uh, doing well. 
for when it's Inter. Wrong, it's very wrong, you know. So it's, it is, uh, it's difficult because I mean we say wrong, and it, 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 there has been a lot of criticism that way. But they are second, and they're you know, twenty-one yeah, points. They are. They're, they're only five points off top yeah i guess i guess people are more critical because milan are top and five points clear and this is a milan team that not many people saw coming i don't think in fact many people touted this to be inter's year and it, but you know i don't think goal is said and lost as we say because lukaku's been excellent and he it is an excellent player for this uh inter milan team uh vidal had a really good game apparently against bologna after a terrible the terrible decision making against uh, real madrid two games ago in the champions league and yeah, I think they certainly got the experience in that squad to mount a title challenge. I use the word experience. There's a lot of people over the age of 30. But um, but again, that's what Antonio Conte wants. And I touched on it before. Torino uh, were the team that Juventus beat in the last minute. Leonardo Benucci, also very experienced. Uh, two assists for Juan Cuadrado and two goals actually in the last 12 minutes of the game. Uh, of the ordinary ordinary ninety minutes, so again, it's a bit squeaky bum time for for the old lady, I suppose. And it really yeah, is it, was behind. You know, it's it's not uh, it's not it's not easy uh, for them to come back. I mean, you've they've got a lot of quality in their team, but mm. yeah, well, um, they tried to part the Ronaldo up front with with several partners. We've got Dybala. Uh, against Torino, but they also have Morata. He seems to work quite well with Morata. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ronaldo's goal scoring this season has actually been very good. You know, he's actually been one of, he hasn't suffered as a result of uh, PLO taking charge. In fact, people said he suffered really with Maurizio Sarri when he was uh, when he was in charge, uh, another Chelsea manager, uh, last season, and it didn't quite work out for him. Although a bit harshly sacked, I think. But he has eight goals in six matches in Serie A, so that's a Better than a goal again, I think 1.25 again. My maths is correct. No, it's not. It's 1.33. That's my A-level maths for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's still doing quite well. He's still providing the numbers. So when you've got Ronaldo, again, you've got a chance. And, yeah, I mean, they are ticking along slowly, I think is the right word, because they've not been beaten in 10 games, but they have drawn five of them in the league. So, yeah, not... Uh, I mean, Napoli's ahead of them with seven wins and three losses because they've simply drawn too many matches. But I tell you what, James, I'm going to. I'm sorry, I'll bring you in here because you know we're looking at. Sorry, oh god, god, really knows that. We'll bring you in at uh, in the in the Spanish league because I think it might be Atletico's year. I know at the moment they are top of the league and they've got two games in hand and they beat Real Valladolid by two goals to nil. Keeping calm and carrying on. Jao Felix is starting to light up a bit more, um, you know, without actually having the move that many people think thought he should have. Um, they're on 26 points, eight wins, two draws. They drew with Bayern Munich recently in the Champions League. They are not doing too bad, is it? There, yeah, James. It could be. It could be because Barcelona aren't going to win the aren't going to win the Liga. Nope. Uh, not a chance, I'm afraid. <laughs> nope. Uh, which is really sad for Barcelona because they're a great club, you know, the great yep. history, but they're not going to win the league this year. Uh, Real Madrid aren't looking all that at the moment, despite having a very strong squad. Yeah. Uh, Eden Hazard's just got another injury. I know. Uh, really sad for him. Uh, he keeps getting injuries at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. He's out for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and despite their squad, they're not, they're not getting the results. They're not performing. Yeah. You know, you say Atletico have got a good league now. and. And Simeone has won the league before and knows yes. how to win it. And once now they've got a lead, 
that's a really good advantage for somebody mm. who's already got experience of winning the league and they've got a good team. I mean, yep. you've got some great players in there. You know, you've got you've got um all black, you know, he's probably the best one of the best keepers in the world. You've got yeah, Jimenez at the back, you've got uh, like you say, Felix, uh, and like Suarez looks a very shrewd acquisition mm-hmm. now. Uh, I think I think is Diego Costa still there? Um, he is, yeah. I mean, they don't even have to play Jao Felix, they didn't even start with Jao Felix because, like you say, Luis Suarez was up front again. It shows that strength, really. And they went with a back three and Kieran Trippier with two assists. I mean, Kieran Trippier, when you talk about some of the key players, and I think he almost suffers with the England national team because England's got so many good right backs, but he's still one of Europe's strongest right backs at former Burnley player. He's that he is. playing really well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to assist. That, that's like a really shrewd signing there, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. It, oh, I, I don't know. I honestly, I know he had a rough time with Tottenham in the season, uh, in Pochettino's last full season, but I have no idea why he was let go for £20 million when they haven't really... I mean, I think he's better than Matt Doherty. Well, no, I know he's better than Matt Doherty. And he's probably as good as, if not better, than Serge Aurier. However, I'm going to say in... in uh, a disclaimer there because Aurier has been excellent actually since Doherty has come in so much so that Doherty barely plays now so but still such a decision to let him go for 20 million I don't yeah. find that odd yeah I did yeah. find that odd uh, well, I, looks like I've been in the league yeah yeah well yeah it, it's looking that way and just just a word as we say we touched on this before Real Sociedad with David Silva they've played two games less but they're in second uh, 25 points seven wins four drills one loss very good Barcelona ninth one game in, uh, they've got uh, one game to, uh, in hand over some teams, but they played the same as Atletico. Four wins, two drills, four defeats. Not ideal. I'd still back them probably to get top four as they find the feet eventually, but maybe not. You just don't know. This is a crazy, crazy time we're in it's, at the moment. Barcelona is probably the most unpredictable club in Europe at the moment. We don't know what's going to happen, who's going to stay, who's going to leave, who the man's mm. going to be. Yeah. It's just all... Turmoil. Turmoil. Just a quick word on Real Madrid. A good win for them away at Sevilla. It's quite a difficult. I mean, they won't curse of an own goal from Bonu, but I suppose they'll take it in any way that they can because it's it's been a tough season for Real Madrid. They face going into the Europa League, but they are fourth, so it's not all disaster, all doom and gloom. They've got some good players. They've got some experienced players. It's not anywhere near looking like something that can mount a title challenge. But I think they're in a bit better shape than Barcelona because. Oh, they are, yeah. They yeah. Are. They've, got, they've, got a, they've got a good, they've got talented players in their squad. Mm, they do. You know, the everything. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll be, they'll finish in the top four in Spain without a problem. You would imagine. They won't anyway. win, the, I don't think. But it, yes. Uh, but you know, obviously, you never know. But um, with the players they have, but unlikely. But they will definitely finish in the top four. No problem. Yeah, I mean, in terms of yeah, in terms of yeah. Fantastic. In terms of the European uh, roundup, that, that's the lot. And again, feel free to jump into this uh, in more detail on various sporting websites, including Transfer News Central and Transfer News Central Football, when you know you want to find out your latest uh, news in, in and around uh, Europe and all of its wonderful leagues. So, on to our top five of the slightly more attacking midfield, but not quite number 10, but is including number 10 position. Uh, yeah, that is a it's a difficult one to to conceptualise. I was actually going to say, James, we can do a top five number ten in the Premier League, but we can't because the number ten is is a position really that's kind of dying out. So I've put this all into one really, and I think I think you know, since a positional analysis, we 
we, we say this a lot. So when I say attacking midfield number eight, and we've talked about this, you've talked about this with Chelsea and wanting Lampard wanting the two number eights because the number 10's kind of dying out. So when we include people in this list, I mean, for me, it might be a bit of a long shot given his work rate, but James Rodriguez fits in this. And I'm not, not necessarily in my team, but I'm saying if if he was, he'd be, he could theoretically be an eight, maybe, or a, or a right-sided wing. No, it'd probably be a right-winger, actually. It'd be a right-winger because he oh, yeah, kind of... Yeah. yeah. Our qualification for this was people who were playing box-to-box eights. Yeah. Attacking midfield. Yeah. Not, people who, yeah. not people who could play... Well, I didn't didn't even think about including... No, I didn't. Rodriguez. No. I didn't include, um, like, any kind of wingers or anything like that. No. No. Yeah, it didn't include people like Mare, it didn't include it didn't, Yeah, didn't that's include good. Them. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Really midfielders, you know, people who are playing kind of a box to box central in a central role. position. Yeah. A central. A central yeah. central right. is the key word, yeah. 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 I'm glad we're both we're both on the same page there. I think even though, even then it was still difficult. It is. Because there's a lot of them in <laughs> And just a quick word, actually, we talk about a little bit of positional analysis. And I think 10 years ago, we'd have a number 10 slot and, you know, and they, they do kind of use number 10s in small ways now. But I think the reason with the number 10 died out, it's such a it's a it's a position almost where you don't have to be involved for 89 minutes of the 90. But then if in a nil nil game, you then provide the pass and, and you score the goal. But the thing is, because games are now won more with systems instead of individual brilliance and moments of genius, I think that's why the number 10's kind of dying out, isn't it? Because, or not as prominent, because that basically leaves you with 10 men when you're defending and in certain positions, and you can easily just get rid of them if they just stay there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they used to be it used to be a big position. You know, Kaka, uh, I remember, was, was when I was in my, you know, in... The last decade before, you know, 2000, 2010, Taka was probably one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Uh, and he was a number 10. He was. He could be an eight, I think, couldn't he? He had a good work rate. Right? Nowadays, yeah. he probably would be an eight. And he, yeah. you know, I mean, actually, the modern equivalent, the person I've seen in the modern football, modern football who's very similar to him is, is Kai Havertz. He's got he can play as an eight, too. Yeah. Player. yeah. He's got similar kind of skills, you know, like, um, and he's playing as a box to box eight. eight you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he yeah. can play number 10 brilliantly. He's a very good number 10, but yes. not where he's being asked to play. And he can adapt. He's, yeah. he's going to have to adapt. He's 21, so he can easily adapt. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's an example, you know. But 15 years ago, he'd be playing yeah. number 10 role for top yeah. European side. And that's, yeah. that's the difference. No, yeah, I think I think I think you I think you're kind of correct there, to be honest. And it, this is this will be interesting then because uh, this is hard. This is quite hard. Um, yeah. So I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashley Westwood. No, uh, probably probably not Ashley Westwood. Um, I think yeah, number one's easy. So we'll go with that first. I think Kevin De Bruyne, probably the best midfielder in the world. Uh, can use either foot, can create, can score goals, tackles well, is a leader. He's a leader as well. I mean, that's something that, yeah, yeah. that you can't say for everyone on this list, maybe. That might be a hint of who is on this list. But he is. He, he, he carries his opponents. His opponents look to him for guidance. He works really hard because you have to win a Guardiola team. And he is phenomenal. Even if he hasn't had his best season this year, I still think he's second on the amount of assists in the Premier League behind Harry Kane. So, 
What more yeah. can you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, everything you said is is I, I agree with. Yeah, he's world class. He's probably the best in position in the world. Yeah, now now every club, every club, yeah, will take yeah, every club. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely, no question about that. Um, my number five is about I've got a slash over about four players I think I've got four yeah I've got slashes yeah okay it's very difficult yeah especially when Hmm. yeah two of my players are from one club and that club's not even oh fantastic so so, so, so I think we both I think I know what you're talking about number two uh, this is really hard because number two and number four you know, number two, number two, number two, number two is not that hard actually. Number, I don't know why I put, number two. I put in number three. Number two is for me. He hasn't even played much this season, and that might be an indicator. In fact, he's only played about two games. But for me, Tiago is number two, and the reason Tiago is number two is because could have had him as a defensive midfielder, but he's not really because he doesn't. He's more. You know, when he was playing for Bayern, it was in a double pivot and he was the one that kind of moved forward with the ball while Kimmich sat more. I mean, he could, he's, he's disciplined, I think. If you play in a double pivot, uh, you're disciplined. So. And Thiago yeah. is, for me, yeah, a player. You would probably see him. I know he can play the, the six, but also the, the, the more controlling number eight. And I think, to be honest, I think Kevin De Bruyne does a similar role with a bit more energy at, at Manchester City. So he yeah. covers more ground. But, I guess, yeah, yeah. See, if I'd been including, if I if I had been including, if I had known he was, yo, you can. Why don't you, James? Why don't you I, put him I in? I wasn't going to include him in my five because I didn't count him as a as that position. But if we're counting him as that position, then yeah, he'd be probably my number two as well. Fantastic! There we go. There we go. World class player. I mean, he is. Um, we saw it with Bayern last year. Seen it with Bayern for a number of years. That he is, you know. Uh, when he's in, when he's playing well, when he's at his peak form and fitness, yeah. Injuries he's, permitted, he has the he has eyes in the back of his head. And to be honest, I think his passing is as good as Kevin De Bruyne's. His passing is as good. His vision oh, yeah, is as yeah, good. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah. And his discipline is probably about as good as Kevin De Bruyne's. The thing that's that Kevin De Bruyne has over Thiago, I think, is he's a bit more energetic, and because he's more energetic, he gets into goal scoring positions. And when he gets into goal scoring positions, he can get double figure goals. Don't think Tiago does, and I think Tiago's oh. more more the master of the pre-assist than maybe a couple of assists, as opposed to the goal scorer. Whereas De Bruyne, master of the pre-assist, master of the assists, master of the goals. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think it gets to, for me. It gets into every team in the world, Tiago. Oh yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. 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 yeah, I was yeah. I was hoping we would, Chelsea would be linked with him in the summer. Yeah, because uh, he would have been fantastic. I'd love to sign to sign him because uh, amazing player. Made for thirty million as well. I mean, yeah. incredible. Okay, number three is going to be controversial. Number three and number four are from the same club, so this is quite hard. Uh, I'm probably nudging for the guy who probably grabs the game by the scruff of the neck it, on a cold, wet, rainy night in Stoke. Um, you know the the old the old metaphor. Or whatever. I just think, yeah, it's really difficult. I think on top, 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 top of their game, you're probably picking Pogba because I think he's an, he's amazing. You yeah. know, I've seen it for France, yes. and he is amazing. But this is kind of the top five. You need consistency. You need it, and 
I think off the ball is where I like what I like with with Bruno Fernandes because he often you see berating people like into position, get into position, you know, come on, do this, do this. And he runs back, he chases back, he covers a lot of ground. It could easily play an eight for Man United. So I'm going for Bruno Fernandes on that basis because he's a real leader in the middle of the park and his off the ball work I think is fantastic and it's a it's a lesson to anyone who wants to be a top footballer at a top club if you work like that and you have quality then you're pretty much going to be a guaranteed starter the reason why I'm umming and ahhing is because of Paul Pogba on top of his form he doesn't give the ball away you know he, he calls yeah. the ball so easily yeah, I, yeah Paul Pogba when he's on top of his game he's a world class midfield player I mean that, 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 that's what he is uh, it's just frustrating that we've not seen that consistently from Manchester United. Because when he was at Juventus, he was incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, on that form, he would be number three. Yeah. If he was, uh, playing, you, if he was playing like that consistently, he would be number three. So if he you're playing based on ability alone, he'd be number three. But like you say, the argument that you make is a really good one because Bruno Fernandes, who's, these are my next two as well. <laughs> yes. um, um, yeah, he's he's. You're right, all those things you said are, are true. And mm. when he came off, when he came off the bench against um, West Ham, amazing the other day, it changed the game. You know, yeah. um, he had looked a different team, and it wasn't just his passing; it was yeah. uh, it was his leadership. It was his, you know, yeah, everything. His character. You know, it's really weird because I heard a, I heard a, a team talk from Paul Pogba in the World Cup final for France. And he, that was a leader t- in talking there. He was going in and he was saying, we need to, you know, in, obviously in French, he's telling his teammates something along the lines of, look, this is the biggest game of our lives. We need to do this for the for the, for the the fans, for this, for this. It was really inspiring. And he led, and he was brilliant on the World Cup final, by the way. But I, yeah, honestly, both of them on top of their game, I think Paul Pogba is better because he, he can dictate. and control. For me, it's difficult because Bruno Fernandes gives the ball away too much. He does. He gives the ball away easy passes. He gives away too much. And he's sloppy a lot of the time. At the same time, he's, he's a genius. He's sloppy. He gives the ball away too much. He tries too many intricate, uh, you know, audacious passes. Lots of them don't come off. Lots of them they break down the, the, the flow of United's momentum. But at the same time, he also, because he tries it so much, he also has the ability to pick out some brilliant passes, some brilliant shots. And, he, and it's the mentality that puts him ahead of Pogba. Because I think Pogba, on top of his game, doesn't give the ball away as much as Bruno Fernandes on top of his game. But the mentality, off the ball, the leadership, the character that, that, that Paul Pogba yeah. had, uh, that Fernandes had. It's difficult for me to, to put them one above the other because they've both... Yeah, because for different reasons, they're both... That good, you know. United yeah. should have the joint best midfield in the league, I think. Yeah, and it's with ridiculous. those two. But two of the best midfielders in the league, and they, and it doesn't look like it. Yeah, you know? no. <laughs> they don't play like it. Um, yeah. So it, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. But oh, the, number five is going to be really interesting, and I'm really stuck. So I'm going to let you go first. I'm. This is hard. It's very, yeah, very, very hard. Really, really hard. I had about, I had about three, four contenders, mm-hmm. like. I had a couple from Liverpool. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. I had one. I had one from Chelsea. I had one from Leicester. Um, yeah. Who have, you, who have you gone with? I I couldn't decide. I hadn't decided before we started recording. Who would, uh, what's your gut telling you now? 
Well, I was I, mm, my gut was going to go with with Henderson because I was going to do that, but God, I might go for another well, one just because. Now, it's not he's not the most he hasn't got the most ability. Like I was really tempted. I've got to say, I was really tempted to put put Mason Mount in because of just how he's playing for Chelsea right now. It's phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, and he's playing at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And the other the other person I thought about was, I mean, obviously Wijnaldum. Um, you know, which is like, yes, it's, it's really difficult. You know, I'm tempted to put, I'm tempted to put Wijnaldum in <laughs> just because of how in, the influence he has on Liverpool kind of all round. But uh, and the thing that, the thing that I suppose edges it for Henderson is the his leadership, his, mm. uh, how he drives the team on from midfield, mm. uh, how, you know, he's, yeah, I mean he's and he's improved his game. He's improved yeah. his game. He's not one. He's not one of those players that's easy on the eye. You yeah, know, he's not a fashionable kind of player. He's not a Bruno Fernandez. Um, and in terms of ability, he's not in the top five. Right? No, no. But um, in terms of ability, he's not in the top five. Um, that's the one of that really clear. Yeah, uh, but it's his consistency, the importance of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, because when they when he was injured, they that was when they had their kind of worst run of form. Like he, yeah, I know, I know. He him when he wasn't there. And uh <laughs> I think you make a very compelling argument because I was also thinking Henderson and you make a really good argument for that. Because it's not just about it was based on talent, skills and things, you know, and, and, and ability ability to do around the world and silkiness. I mean Adel Tarat would have probably been one of the world's best players, but like obviously that's not the case. I mean I make an argument. Um, I, I'm I'm well you're fat Anyone who's listening to this, when I do a promotion, I'm, I'm stuck between um, Henderson and Ndombele, who I think is who's, has done really oh, well. Yeah, he was the other one I thought of, yeah. He was doing really well. I mean, because he survived Jose Mourinho's fury because he didn't like him. and he kept, Well, he did, but he wanted more and more. And he gave him some harsh treatment, classic Jose Mourinho treatment. But unlike at Man United, it seems to be working on many of the Tottenham players because a lot of them seem to be responding. And Ndombele has been key for them this year. Yeah, a bit more of a, he's been a bit more of a, a shadowed character because it's Kane and Son, and then you'd probably say Hoiberg. But Ndombele started most of the games, comes off about 65 minutes usually, though, because I think Lacelso's a good backup, and uh, I think Ndombele does get a bit tired because Mourinho works him quite hard now. But in terms of ability, He's outstanding. Like you don't take the ball off him when he's on, when he's on the top of his game. But also for what you've said, I completely and I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to make it a clean sweep of agreement and go with Henderson because it is what he does to that Liverpool team when he doesn't play. They're not the same. End of. Because he's such a leader, carries the can carry the can cover so much ground. I mean, not like Angolo Kante. That would be a quite a, a bit of an injustice to Kante, but he does cover. He's almost like that for Liverpool in that he covers so much ground and he leads and he shouts and he barks orders to everyone and he pl- he's a good passer of the ball and he scores the occasional goal as well. I just think his all-round package is very boring but necessary. Yeah, that's right. He's one of those, Latin, he's not fashionable, but... I'm, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I'm going to go. I'm going to get some stick off some people who don't think he's that good. But I'm going to go with Henderson because 
Yeah, that's really hard. I'm going to, yeah, I'll sign with you. I'll go with Henderson for my top five. That's a clean sweep. Exactly the same. Very tough. I was trying to think in my head. It's very hard. I'll go with Henderson. After all, they are. He's playing for the champions week in, week out. Anyway, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. You'll probably see that on Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout, etc. And that will be out. Uh, well, it should be out from Tuesday night, as ever. And yeah, next week we'll be moving on to right wingers i think right wingers which should be interesting because that's a bit more of a less objective position and it will be one that provides some interest because i personally think the majority of the good wingers are on the left side so that will be uh that will be something to decipher we'll also discuss three other topics one of which will probably be uh results around european football and until then farewell and thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening everyone bye